Welcome to Three Dimensional Theology. We're going back to the roots of Christianity to rediscover who we are today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Cabe Matthews, and this episode, we're going to be talking about God. That's right. We're going to talk about God on this theology podcast. Now, you might be thinking, well, gosh, Cabe, that's kind of a broad topic, isn't it? I mean, God's infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing and what have you. So, you might be thinking, you might be wondering, how on earth is this episode length going to be less than, like, forever? But I've got some good news for you. In the medieval tradition, in Christian theology, they told us, they tell us that, that God is a simple. And I realize that that has nothing to do with whether I can get through the topic of God in about a 10-minute podcast format, but I'm going to naively and somewhat stupidly just decide by fiat that it has everything to do with it, and we're going to proceed accordingly. Well, if there's one thing I learned in seminary, and some of my professors might tell you that there isn't, If there's one thing I learned in seminary, it's that we humans don't have a right to talk about God. God is so far above and beyond us. He's so far. um, He's so what we say, we say, and we say he's transcendent, right? God is so far above and beyond anything that we could imagine or conceive or consider or um, really wrestle with at all, even intellectually. He's so far beyond even our minds can reach, even beyond our, uh, God's even higher than, than, than the, high, the highest heights that our emotions can reach. We don't really have any, any way that we can talk about. Our language can't reach there. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, this is one of my favorites. It says, am I only a God nearby, says the Lord and not also a God far away. We do have a God who is far away. He's far above and beyond anything that we could ever imagine, except there's just one little thing. God is also a God nearby. Um, God is a God that we can't speak about, and yet God draws near to us and speaks to us and then tells us to speak about that encounter. We don't have a right, we don't have the ability to talk about God. But when God speaks to us, God demands that we talk about God. This God that we can't talk about demands that we talk about him when he encounters us. So in a way, God is like the opposite of Fight Club. We have to talk about him. We have to talk about God. When we have met God face to face, we can't help ourselves. But we're kind of dodging the question maybe a little bit. You might be thinking, who or what is God? Who or what is this being? This pure being with a capital B. Now, we don't have time to do justice to this question, not 
even close. People have written thousands and thousands of pages on this question. What we can do is just is look at maybe one little tiny angle that I think might suggest larger views and vistas of this question. And that is a really classical Christian angle at this question, who or what is God, is to look at what God does. One of my favorite one-liners in answer to this question, who or what is this God, is uh, it comes from this theologian named Robert Jensen. He actually died, like gosh, uh, just within the last year, I think, even. But he says, God, this is almost like a definition of God here. He says, God is whoever raised Jesus from the dead, having before raised Israel from Egypt. That is for Robert Jensen. I think this is like, this is true to the best of the Christian tradition for Robert Jensen. God is whoever it was that rescued Israel from Egypt in the story of the Exodus. And God is whoever raised Jesus from the dead. Whoever did those things, that's who God is for Christians. God is um, the God of Israel. God is the one who called, who, who Jesus called, called Father. Um, God is whoever raised Jesus from the dead, having before raised Israel from Egypt. So given that, and given the fact that we, um, in our little jaunt through the Apostles' Creed here, we aren't quite to Jesus yet. Um, he'll have his turn. Uh, but given that, maybe it's appropriate to start with Exodus. In Exodus 3, one of my, one of my absolute favorites, really one of uh, Christianity and for that matter Judaism's favorites, is Exodus 3, the story of Moses meeting God at the burning bush. Now, one thing that you've got to remember in, in, in the background of this whole scene is Moses 40 years ago, something like that, was an Israelite enslaved in Egypt, except he was raised by Pharaoh's household. But he was still kind of a part of the Israelite community. But one day, Moses kind of lost his temper a little bit. One thing led to another, and he murdered a guy. And so the reason why Moses is not in Egypt in this story, the reason why he's up on the top of a mountain somewhere else is because he's in exile. He's not welcome there. He killed a guy. Um, so he's, there's got to be some shame. There's got to be some other stuff going on there for Moses. But, um, but Moses is hanging out with his father-in-law in his father-in-law's household. And he's watching some flocks when he sees kind of a strange sight over yonder. And he goes and inspects it, and what he finds there is a bush that's on fire, but it's not consumed. Which is a little weird if you've ever seen something on fire, which I would guess most of us have. The fire tends to burn up and consume whatever, it, whatever is on fire, right? If something is on fire for long enough, there is not a thing to be on fire anymore. So this is a really peculiar kind of sight that Moses is encountering here. But, you know, so he starts this, there's this conversation that Moses has with this, the voice that comes out of this bush and it's, it's God and God's telling him to go and, and God's going to save his people and Moses is going to be his mouthpiece and this is going to be great. It's going to work perfectly. Um, but Moses is having some second, third, 
maybe fourth and fifth thoughts about this plan. So at one point, kind of the, the, the chief part of the exchange here that I think is, is key to this question of who or what is God, Moses says to God, again, kind of resisting this calling. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites. Remember, they're slaves in Egypt now. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses asks God. In other words, what if I, what if I go to rescue my people from slavery? That sounds like a great idea in theory, God. But what if I go there and they're like, oh, God sent you here? Who is this God? What's his name? God, God who? Exactly what we're talking about here. And it's at this point, it's in response to this question that God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, just those like five letters in English, I think it's like three letter. It's I'm sorry, those like five words in English, those like, I think it's like three words in Hebrew. Um, just those few words have spawned thousands and thousands of 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 pages of of writing by Christians and by Jews and uh, by others kind of wrestling with who this God is, who who just when asked what his name is, responds, I am who I am. And so people talk about being with a capital B, people talk uh, about God being the the ground or the source of all that exists. People talk about God being this sort of ultimate transcendence that's God who is above and beyond anything that we can imagine or conceive. Um, and this is just God's name. God, God's name is just, I, I am. But God doesn't stop there. And I think maybe too often in the Christian tradition, we've stopped there. Uh, but of, I mean, of course, yes, God is the ground of being. This is key. This is important. This is something that we believe. This is something that we cling to. But God doesn't stop there. The very next sentence in your Bible, where I'm in Exodus 3, like uh, I started in chapter 13, I started in verse 13 here. Um, it says, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. It seems like most most often people assume that when God says, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation, that people think that that God is talking about I am who I am. Or talking about this this four-letter word that is kind of God's special name, Y-H-W-H. But notice what he says between that. He says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. So I think God is, obviously, God is I am who I am. But God is also the God of Abraham. God is I am who I am. God is transcendent. God is big. But God is also the God of this people the God of, of, of these human beings right here. 
But on top of that, these aren't just any human beings. These are human beings in need. And God, I kind of like to think this is God sort of showing his name tag to us, and it's really complex and multifaceted like a diamond or something. But, But God goes on. He says, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. So this is the God who is transcendent. He's I am who I am. This is the God of this people. But this is also a God who's going to do something for this people. This is the God who sees this people, who notices them, and who's going to come in and rescue them. So when God is, is, is finally asked by Moses, in chapter three, what's your name? Who are you, man? Like, who, who, even, who even are you? God gives a kind of a, we could think about it this way, God kind of gives a three-part answer. He says, I am what I am. I just, I just am, I'm, I'm being, I'm isness, maybe, or I just, I just am who I am. You can't really put a word on it. Your, your words don't, don't really work for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm bigger than that. But God also answers, he says, I'm the God, I'm, I'm the God who's I am what I am, but I'm also the God of this people. I'm a God who's tying myself to this people and to their story. Um, and on top of that, I'm the God who sees you. I'm the God who notices what's gone on. And I'm the God who's promising to rescue my people from it. So three-part answer that God gives. I am what I am. I'm the God of this people. And I'm the God who sees what's going on and is going to rescue. But, and not to jump the gun here on the rest of our series, there's got to be more. Because this God that we meet here with Moses is the God who eventually does raise Israel up from Egypt, but he's also the God who raises Jesus from the dead. This God, some thousands of years later, resurrects Christ. He comes down, actually, in the form of a human being. This I am comes down in the form of a human being to unite himself with people in an even realer and an even more tangible kind of way. To really put flesh on this fact that this is a God who has a people. This God becomes a person. And he walks 33 years in our shoes so that we know that he has seen what goes on. And so that we can believe he's got some serious credibility when he promises to rescue. So God is not just the one who rescued Egypt. Uh, I'm sorry. God is not just the one who rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. God is the one that we come to know in Jesus. God is the one that we come to know in Jesus 
through the power of the Spirit. God is this one who is one, but is also curiously three. Trinity. And when you meet this God, when you come face to face with this God, or when you come face to burning bush with this God, and he speaks to you, this absolute beauty and truth and wisdom and goodness that can't be expressed in human language suddenly is burning on your heart and on your tongue. And suddenly you can't help but speak the unspeakable mysteries. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you've got questions, suggestions, ideas, if you got anything for me, Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Cabe Matthews, or you can drop me an email, cabe at 3dtheology.com. Definitely be sure to check out the show notes if you're interested, 3dtheology.com slash two. And if you're enjoying this, you know, the best way to help out the show, honestly, is just hop over to iTunes and leave a review. No big deal. Take you like two seconds. But I can't wait to hang out with you next time on Three Dimensional Theology. And until then, I hope you have a wonderful week.